We've got a great interview for you guys tonight. Ani Zonovelt, she is the president and founder of Muslims for Progressive Values. She's also a writer, singer, songwriter. Won a couple of albums of the year in Malaysia, not a big deal. Uh, got a Grammy for a collaboration with Kebmo. Please, please, <laughs> not a big deal. Okay. No, it really isn't. <laughs> no, I don't know. Grammy and album of the year sounds pretty good to me. Um, okay, so Ani, uh, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Jake. Uh, and we happen to be doing this interview on quite a fortuitous day because it's the Human Rights Day. That's right. So I uh, want to talk about some of the brave souls that are being celebrated on Human Rights Day in a little bit. Yeah. But first, let's find out more about you, uh, and then find out what these so-called progressive values are. Yeah, we're not Islam. real Muslims. Come on, of course not. Okay, so uh, where were you born? Uh, Malaysia. Malaysia. Okay, and uh, how Muslim is Malaysia? It's very Muslim. It's a good sixty percent of Malaysia is are Muslims, um, mm -hmm. Malays. Um, the rest of them are Buddhists, Christians, Hindus. It's multiracial, multireligious. So, if uh, the majority is Muslim, that means uh, likely the people who run the country are Muslim. That's right. There is a constitutionally only a Malay, which usually is Muslim, runs the country. Okay. Now, the other minorities, the Christians, the Buddhists, they said they've all been slaughtered already, right? No, they haven't. They're living in peace uh, with us uh, majority Muslims, but that's Malaysia for you. But wait a minute. I, I was told that the fundamentals of Islam require Muslims yes. to uh, butcher all the infidels. Yeah, but God changed his message when it came to Malaysia. Uh, he had the exemption to the I'm area. sure that Malaysia is the only <laughs> exception. I'm sure of it. Because uh, I'm told that at its core, Islam is rotten. Um, so we'll get to that in a second. Okay. All right. So now, but then you lived in many different places. Yes. Uh, where did you live throughout your life? I lived in Germany, uh, Egypt, India for a total 16 years. And so that was from the age of two years old to about 16. Okay. And and that's because your dad was the ambassador. Yes, the Malaysian ambassador to oh. those countries. Okay. Yeah. Great. Great. Very that privileged lifestyle. Very privileged to live in those different countries. Because there's a lot of lessons that you can learn from different cultures that you don't get from textbooks, so that was the privilege that I experienced. Yeah, absolutely. And then when when did you come to the U.S.? When I was 18, my parents packed me off, uh, go to the U.S. and do something useful with your life, because uh, we were back in Malaysia and me, I was part of a group called Asia Beat. And we got a record deal with CBS when there was really? such a thing as a CBS. Wow. And at that, at that point, my, my dad said, uh, there's no way in hell the, the daughter of an ambassador is going to do music. And so he uh, sent me to Illinois, and I studied economics and political science. Okay, that's more becoming. Yeah, okay. that's right. It's yeah. more respectable. That's right. And when did you decide to stop being respectable? <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I graduated. <laughs> Me <Yeah>. too. <laughs> My poor daddy guy, you know, got all yeah. excited. I business school yeah, and law school. Yeah, I know, school, right? And then I'm going to be a talk show host. Oh, Amanha, what have we done? <laughs> I know, right? Uh, so you had a, you know, a great career in music. Just Random curiosity, has your dad come around like, oh, okay, it was pretty good? Yeah, I think um, after I graduated and did my own thing, I think he kind of like surrendered to the whole process. And, you know, he knows I'm very strong-willed, there's no changing my mind. Um, but he's passed on, so he hasn't seen my, the success that I've had with it. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I've been my own woman from a, very, from a very young age, you know, crafted my own, my way, so to speak. 
Well, so I'm agnostic, but I think I can still say, well, God bless your heart. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that means a lot from you, Chuck. <laughs> okay, so uh, when did you start uh, Muslims for Progressive Values? Um, uh, 2006, I started Progressive Muslim Community in L.A. Um, mm -hmm. after 9-11 and um, learning Islam for myself. I was basically surrendering to the process that, okay, if I... I'm going to learn the Quran again and read all these different books and if I leave Islam so be it and if I become more Muslim then so be it. Mm -hmm. And what I found was I found the Quran to be very liberating, more liberating than the way I was raised and my parents were very pragmatic, um, traditional really? but very pragmatic. So what I found was the Quran was rife with social, social justice. Mm -hmm. um, it elevated the status of women, even for an Asian Muslim, where women are pretty equal to men. You know, women are working out in the marketplace. We're the negotiators. We, you know, we, we run businesses in, in Malaysia. And so uh, for, for me to, to get that from the Quran was uh, an eye-opener, but it was a heart-opening experiencing. And so I, th I couldn't go back to the traditional mosque that I was a part of. And at that point... I felt like if I was going to go back, then I was just going to perpetuate the same nonsense. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought, well, there's got to be Muslims like me that are for music, that don't go by this Sharia-compliant stuff, and uh, that look at human beings as equals, um, and, uh, and freedom of expression, freedom of and from religion, all that good stuff, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Good American stuff, actually. Yeah. And uh, that's how that started. So help me out here. I, I, I read the... Quran, large parts of it, I studied it in college. Mm. I took Introduction to Islam 101 yeah. because I was a secular Turk, so mm. yeah, I didn't know anything about the Quran. You guys are very secular. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't know anything about the Quran, so I was like, okay, let's read this thing. Yeah. And this wonderful Irish uh, professor who did a good job of selling it to me, so I actually, like, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm for <laughs> a couple of years, and then I was like, nah. nah. Okay. Uh, but so, Sometimes I got the same st stuff you got, yeah. but then I felt like it was a mirage. So, for example, on, on on women, so I understood as a professor explained to me that um, that within the context of those times, yeah. they were giving women a lot more rights than they had. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now that's true, but then later I thought, okay, that's good, good for them, that's and I right. get that it was progressive at the yeah. time in that sense, yeah. right? Yeah. But why didn't God think it through? Like, oh, later they're going to, yeah. well, shouldn't they get equal yeah. rights? Yeah. So <clears throat> I think what happened was, as far as I'm concerned, the Islam actually died when Prophet Muhammad died. Mm -hmm. So that's basically the extent of it. Because after he died, it basically started reverting back to pre-Islam. So it didn't really continue with the progression that it, it started off trying to do. I mean, if women were the first teachers and the first learners, the first converts to Islam, women taught the men, why is it for centuries women have been uh, com completely absent from the teachings in the school and institutions, right? Now women are starting to get back into being Islamic scholars. But for centuries, they, they have been uh, outsiders or there have been hurdles that you, you couldn't join into the men's club, right? Well, you know, a lot of people have made that argument about the... Catholic Church uh, as, as well. well. No, absolutely, right. yeah. Okay, but so uh, more, I'm more curious what you found liberating about the Quran. Yeah. Well, the fact that um, we have child marriage in much of the Muslim world, mm -hmm. majority, mm -hmm. um, 16 or younger, and the Sharia law is um, oppressive towards women, unjust towards women. 
Mm -hmm. um, but let's take just child marriage. Child marriage, if in the Sharia law per permits, it actually contradicts the Quran because the Quran is clearly states marriage is between two consenting adults with sound mind because marriage is actually an, a contract. It's mm -hmm. not a I love you, love you, love kind of thing. It's a mm -hmm. contract. Mm -hmm. And so for you to have a contract, you have to have uh, acute uh, critical thinking skills. Mm -hmm. And so, so that in itself is a revelation because when you look at the Muslim world or anyone look at the Muslim world, even, you know, it's like, what the hell, you know? Mm -hmm. how, how can you let this happen? Like a child, a 14-year-old was married off, forced to marry a 70-year-old just today. Mm -hmm. And if she didn't, her, her dad was going to kill her. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that, so, it's that sort of thing. So, Ani, look, I can't. I mean, that, and, and, I, yeah. I, I just don't believe. Okay? Yeah. So, yeah. so, I mean, I, there's the instance of Muhammad marrying someone very, very young. So, <coughs> I got my issues with, oh, absolutely. with Islam. And so, I, that's why I'm an agnostic. I just yeah. don't believe it. Yeah, right? that's fine. So, we have disagreements there. God bless. <laughs> okay. Um, but what I found interesting, what you just said, is that. Um, you found the Quran more progressive than the Muslim world. Yeah. So you, so if they had stuck to what's in the Quran, because what's the, a popular belief out there now is the Quran itself is the problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That if you uh, that ISIS is has the correct interpretation of the Quran, and then that's why the the, yeah. the religion itself is so toxic mm -hmm. that it can't be helped. You seem to come away with the exact opposite idea. Correct. So let's start from this. Everything that ISA is doing is really not that much different than Saudi Arabia. Okay, and mm -hmm. much of the Muslim world is just a lighter shade of a Saudi Arabia understanding of Islam, the Sharia law. And so that is not just in the Muslim world, but it's also in a lot of the mosques here in the United States. So they're very Wahhabism in their understanding. So, so for example, if you are um, a non-believer, ISIL, they'll chop your head off. Or you convert mm -hmm. Saudi Arabia. If you leave Islam, off with your head. I mean, they actually do that. Yeah. Um, and uh, Raif Badawi, for example, has been charged with apostasy. And we learned today from his wife that he has been moved into an isolated prison system where it's apparently finalized. And what that finalized definition means is really questionable. Is he um, going to? They're going to be continue with the flogging. Um, or from what we were hearing two weeks ago, that they were going to, the king was going to pardon him. So we don't really know what this, it's been a real um, seesaw for us right now. So, first, let's just pause to say a couple of things. Raif Badawi, uh, courageous beyond description. Yeah. To be, uh, to. Advocate the same things that we are, mm -hmm. but in Saudi, yeah. in a very hostile environment. To, to challenge orthodoxy in a state that is, as a recent New York Times article put it, uh, ISIS that just made it, yeah. right? That's what Saudi Arabia is. They just became kind of professionalized yes. when they got a country yes. and they sold America cheap oil. That's right. Then everything's okay. Yeah. So we totally agree on Saudi Arabia, and unfortunately, spread that toxic Wahhabism throughout the world. Yeah. We enable it. It drives me crazy. We call them our yeah. one of our top allies. Oh, when it they, drives when, me nuts when they do that. Right, and they're the ones spreading the poison. Yeah. And what they do to people like Raif Badawi, yeah. uh, their own citizens, let alone what they do to others. So, and it, Badawi is a perfect guy to celebrate on a day like yes. today on Human Rights Day. Yes. So, um, so uh, to continue on that, just yeah. that one thread. So, ISIL chops your head off. Saudi Arabia does the same, but in Malaysia, the moderate Muslim majority country I was describing, 
they will, the Sharia court will send you to a rehab. It's like, are you sure you want to leave Islam? And then they'll brain you, brainwash you or pressure you to stay in Islam. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there really is, and in the United States and in the West, um, the families will, will most likely ostracize you if you decide to leave Islam. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, there is no freedom of and from religion, whereas the Quran is very clear, there's no compulsion in faith. Well, you see, that's the thing. Faith. I mean, Ani, I, I read that and I read the verse where there's no compulsion in faith. I go, oh, well, okay, okay good, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm saved. <laughs> uh, uh, but you don't need to worry about that. Come on, Cherry. No. <laughs> I'm kidding around. I mean, yeah. obviously, since I don't believe, I don't. There's yeah. no saving to be had. Uh, but um, on the other hand, I mean, it's not particularly kind to infidels. I mean, there's a lot of literal text in the Quran that says, oh, well, mm. off we go. No, no. It, it is really, uh, the terms infidel is really particular in a particular time of war. And so when you're talking about a time of war, even in, say, American context, when you have someone who's a tre tre treason, what mm -hmm. happens to them when they're charged with treason? Off with their, their yeah, America, as I said, no, 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 just calm down. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> I, I get it. Yeah. It, it, so infidel is considered treason, but then, okay. In that particular war time. Right, but I think a lot of people would then say, okay, well. But that's it, where ISIL takes it and takes it. Oh, yeah, it's an infidel, we can do whatever we want. And so does Saudi Arabia, so does much of the Muslim world. That's the bastardization of the theology. So, I, honestly, th this is why I come out on, on, on this side, which is that both for the Bible, which I've read very large parts of, and the Quran, which I've read very large parts of. I'm not claiming I read every word, right, so <laughs> somebody can out. Quote yeah. me on the Quran and the Bible, but is that there are clearly contradictory parts of both of those texts. Yes. And so if you want to take the good as you have yeah. and find the Quran liberating, you can. Yeah. And that is just as legitimate a reading as uh, ISIS and Saudi Arabia that takes the bad parts of it and 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 reads it bad intent into it. So so you say ISIS is not legitimate, ISIS says you're not legitimate. Right. By the way, same in Christianity. Yeah. There's the fundamentalists who say, okay, I gotta go kill an abortion yeah. doctor, or even if they're not killing anybody. Yeah. You know, uh, hey, no, you gotta hate the gays. Yeah, that's right. Okay, that's I'm not hating, I'm just yeah. giving them different rights. Yeah, yeah, I mean yeah, less rights. Yeah, yeah. Right. Different and there are people who read it and go, Oh my God, I gotta spend my life helping the poor. Yeah, that's right. So and I don't think that either interpretation is necessarily wrong. Mm. Because the hateful parts are in the Bible and the loving parts are in the Bible, <laughs> yeah, just like the Quran. the Quran. But there's, look, I've sat with Homeland Security and I've gone through the recruiting tools that ISIL uses, and a lot of them um, obviously appeals to, it's like a dog whistle for some Muslims, because they're mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, we gotta save the caliphate, we gotta join. But I, what I don't understand is there's nothing to do, there's no caliphate in the Quran whatsoever. It's totally historical context. It's, uh, it's totally Again, hadith, just like right? the Catholics. Yeah, right? and there's so, no pope in the Bible. Exactly, and so then, so then, when when some of these distorted or some what they do is they take a line and they omit the first line and they omit the line after that, right? Mm -hmm. And then they say this is from the Quran. Yeah, that is from the Quran, but it's sort of you butchered it Cherry up, picked, right? right. Um, yeah, well, it's half a sentence rather than the full sentence, right? Mm -hmm. So, so what 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 we challenge is that. Uh, we challenge the, the the Muslim population to to read and to be more critical. Mm -hmm. We challenge the Muslim population on the radicalism that's happened throughout the decades because a lot of them have this anti-Western, anti-American sentiment. 
you know, mm -hmm. and this is what's really problematic and how they use it, uh, the the uh, colonization of the Muslim world uh, to beat them to, to accuse the West of being the, the root of it all, and so they co they conflate the politics and the faith, the spirituality of Islam, mm -hmm. and I want to what we do is we try to separate the two. It, it doesn't matter how angry you are you are with the West. You couldn't pay me a million dollars to go shoot up 14 innocent people, or however many, right? Mm -hmm. You couldn't pay me to do that. And so. Yeah, and of course, look at how the stupidity of it. Okay, you're angry at the Imperial uh, West for invading your lands or whatever you're angry for, so you go shoot people who are helping disabled kids. Yeah, that's right. Right? I mean, it's, it makes no sense because right. fundamentalist radicals don't make any sense. Yeah, they they've resorted to violence because right. they've lost the debate of ideas. Yeah. But what I have a bigger issue is with is that, okay, fine, we've got the radical Muslim and we've got the radical theology, but what I have a problem is the, the right wing in America, who or whoever hates Islam, for example, they'll cut and paste the same theology and send it to, to the rest of the world and send it to right. all their friends, and, uh, and they'll share it on. So you've seen those chain letters, right? Yeah. So, and as far as I'm concerned, these people are just propagating the ide ideology of ISIL. They are enabling ISIL. As far as I'm concerned, they are an enemy of the state. So, well, that's interesting because all of a sudden you have Bill O'Reilly as an ally who was yelling at Donald Trump last night mm -hmm. saying, you're helping ISIS yeah. by uh, saying all Muslims are like them. Don't help them <sighs> because then we'll have to fight a quarter of the world's population. 1.6 billion people. They're not on ISIS's side. Don't I put them on ISIS. I, I can't believe you got O'Reilly to say that. I thought Trump was a strategic, business savvy <laughs> human being. I guess not, right? Yeah, no. I suspect not. Perhaps why he's gone through four bankruptcies. Uh -huh. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, all right. Look, I have my own ideas on on how to fight against the fundamentalism. What is and, it? And and so. And first of all, I, I don't view this as Christians, Muslims, Jews, atheists against one another. Uh, that's how fundamentalists want us to view it, yeah. right? Uh, I view it as the fundamentalist of all the religions yes. versus the rest of us. I agree. So, so that's why the right wing in this country aids and abets ISIS yeah. by taking the most hateful parts of the Quran and pretending it's the only parts that exist. Yeah, and it's the only truth, yeah. Right. Yeah. The right wing and some others. Yeah. So, yes. <laughs> uh, so there are a lot of aiders and abettors out there. Okay, so uh, so my way of fighting back is twofold. One is I'm going to try to get everybody to not believe in any other religion. Oh wow! <laughs> okay. Good luck on that one. I know, but hey, you know what? Everybody says that, but they don't realize I'm already winning. Okay, I <laughs> like I did it. <laughs> okay, but uh, Britain is now nearly half non-religious. So. Uh, did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I didn't do that. No. Um, I mean, they so, do it onto themselves. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I don't. I don't blame most people leaving Islam. You know, and mm -hmm. and they have the right to. I completely support their right to do so. I mean, given the, the the state of the Muslim world, yeah. Why would you want to be in in that religion? Yeah, because so that gets to the cultural part. That gets to the second part. Yeah. Look, I believe in the culture wars. <clears throat> okay, so this is gets uh, nuanced. So mm -hmm. everybody's got to buckle up for this. Because uh, some people like to see it in a black and white world. Yeah. So here's what I mean by that. I I think, uh, and I know, and we did a story on this about how the Saudis uh, started spreading Wahhabism, of course, in the late 18th century, late 19th century, yeah. uh, and then the more they got power, the more oil they got, the richer they got. Then they set up madrasas yeah. and 
and newspapers and radio stations and TV stations all across the Muslim world and put this poison out there. And the West. And, the and, and then the U.S. came in in the 1980s yeah. and said, how can we help? Yeah. Right? Because if we, if we turn Muslims <laughs> more fundamentalist, they will fight the godless communists. Mm. Right? right? And so Ronald Reagan, yay, he spread Muslim fundamentalism throughout the world. He helped to spread it. It's not one factor, but those were very important factors. So what we what we accidentally did, Saudi Arabia did it on purpose, I think the US largely accidentally did it, um, is we spread that poison and, mm -hmm. and it became toxic for the cultures. Because as you say and as logic dictates, the Quran could be interpreted in both ways and in some periods in history it was interpreted in a more positive way. Absolutely. And in some pockets, it's, and in all pockets it's interpreted slightly differently. Yeah. So for example, you say in Malaysia, uh, you're going to get a stern talking to if you're trying to leave Islam. Yeah. In uh, in Saudi Arabia, you're going to get a stern blade to the neck, yeah. right? In Turkey, uh, you get this like, "Din size shoulesh, come on, let's have a beer." Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. They yell at you yeah. first, like ah, yeah. and then you go and do the same, you yeah. know, completely non-religious things yeah. all Turks do. But right? in Malaysia, it wasn't. It wasn't. You wouldn't get a stern talk before. Mm -hmm. See, that's changed because that's the influence of Wahhabism. We didn't have that before. Exactly. And so Salman Rushdie talks about this. Yeah. He says when he was growing up in India, in Muslim parts of India, totally secular. Yep. In Turkey, we were the definition of secular, That's maybe right. the only country uh, more secular than America. Yep. And so now, though, you've got Erdogan, right winger, fundamentalist, yep. pushing it in a more fundamentalist <laughs> direction. And now That's you've right. got you know ugly scenes in soccer stadiums with people. Uh, you know, booing yeah. during the moment of silence. I know that story is a little bit more complicated, but there were people booing, right? Yeah. And so they're pushing the culture in the worst direction. So my thesis is we can push in a better direction, yeah. right? So if they can poison the culture, we can unpoison the culture. So one way is through fighting against religion, the other way is what you're doing. Yeah. Now, that's where I'm curious, and that's why I want to talk to you. My way is easier, and it's not. Correct. <laughs> okay, so Every, I'll keep uh, quoting the Quran and the Bible and the <laughs> Old Testament until you go, wow, that sounds kind of messed up. <laughs> okay. A combination. It's it's everyone's gotta work at it. Right. But from your perspective, how do you unpoison? How do you how do you get people to to shift the culture so that in Malaysia or wherever else they go, Hey, you're right, wait, why are these mullahs Focusing on all the negative stuff yeah. in the book, why aren't they focusing on the positive stuff? Yeah, so I've seen the radicalization in my own family mm -hmm. and uh, the intolerance uh, within the Muslim community and within my family too. And you know, I I am an egalitarian per person. I'm, I my mother raised me. I'll give you a personal story. Uh, when I was five, I went to the British school in um, in Germany. And at that time, during assembly, you pray. You pray to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I did. And so I came back home and feeling guilty. I said to him, hey, I just prayed to Jesus. What do I do? And he says, oh, just replace Jesus with Allah and you're fine. Okay? Okay, first of all, take a shower <laughs> <laughs> and a stiff drink. No, uh, Jesus is in the Quran. So yeah. There's nothing no, wrong with praying to Jesus. So, so, um, but, you know, Jesus is our Lord, the Savior, you know, the, the whole Okay, you know, yeah, that part's a little yeah, off yeah, according yeah, to the Quran. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, and so, but that, that was the sort of the inclusive and egalitarian thinking of my, the parent, the parents that I have. And they didn't take me out of the school, oh, you know, make sure my daughter doesn't pray, Christian. They didn't do any of that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But now my mother is so intolerant of my work that she won't even talk to me. 
Right. Oh, wow. That's, that's, I'm sorry to hear that. No, no, but see, but it's sad and at the same time it's okay because, um, you know, everybody loves their mother, of course, everybody, you know, to a certain degree. But when you have someone that is abusive, then it's not really, I mean, I reach out to her because it's my duty as a daughter to do that. You know how we were raised yeah, up, right? Yeah, so, yeah. but when you do that, but it, it gets, it gets, it's difficult when someone's just verbally disrespects you, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but that's, the, you're so intolerant, you become so intolerant that you won't even talk to your daughter. You know how deep that is? Yeah, I know. So that's why it's so hard. Like in, in my case, it was much easier because my dad's logical. So he didn't mind me leaving Islam at all. Yeah. He didn't yeah, particularly care. But he was getting a little older. And so he's like, you know, you want to get a little bit more spiritual yeah. as people get they older. All do that, yeah. So somebody gave him a book of miracles based on the Quran. Mm -hmm. And he read it and he's like, oh, the first chapter, interesting. Second chapter is like, that's not true. Me, there's that one. <laughs> And he's like, okay, this is nonsense. Obviously, the Quran is. I I'm think sure Chank, right. my son Chank is right. <laughs> so no, 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 no. My dad would never just take my word yeah, for yeah, it, yeah. right? So he read the whole Quran. He's like, yeah. oh my God, that's not true either. Yeah. And then he read. The, he's like, maybe the Christians have it, right? So he read the whole Bible. He's a fair, very fair guy, right? Okay. He's like, no, that's not right either. Yeah. I'm now an atheist. Oh wow. <laughs> okay. Wow. So it's possible, yeah. right? Yeah. It's possible. Yeah. And for your mom, it wasn't possible. She went in in, yeah, in a more fundamentalist direction. Yeah. For my dad, he became an agnostic atheist yeah. like I am. Yeah. Uh, but how do, how do we how do we break? So it's easier so for my dad. How do we break through to your mom? So what we do is well, we have an office in Malaysia now, and Muslims for Progressive Values, and the work that we do. Um, is basically spreading the positive stories about Islam, like the gender issues, uh, LGBT. Prophet Muhammad never punished anyone for being homosexual. There's no the word homosexual doesn't exist. There is no punishment in the Quran for being homosexual. The fact that there is such draconian punishment and brutal punishment in the Muslim world is actually un-Islamic. All right. Oh so, wait, wait, I got an idea. Okay, wait, hang on. Okay, okay. All right, all right, all right. hold, hold, hold. Okay, okay and so. Um, so the, the argument that we always try to make is to go back to the Quran, the positive story of the Quran, and how wrong the practice is. And you can, people cannot argue when you're quoting the Quran, because when you, then they'll say, oh, but the Hadith says, says, okay, but hang on a second, you're Muslim, and you're supposed to believe that the Quran is the word of the God, right? right? right. So you're saying that these men words, male words written 200 years after Prophet Muhammad died is more important or equal status to the Quran? What kind of Muslim are you? Yeah, there you go. Okay, so here's what I realized. So look, since I don't believe, I find all the talk of Shaitan and Allah a uh, little mythological. But hold, yeah, okay. Yeah. So that's if you don't know, Shaitan's the devil, yeah. and and Allah is God. It just means God in Arabic, yeah. right? So now for Christians, they're like Shaitan, Allah, you crazy guys. Oh, the devil, the devil's real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? right, right, right. And so, but since a lot of Muslims do believe that, as a lot of Christians do, uh, well, I. Why not flip that on him? Wait a minute. Now, if they're telling you something that isn't the Quran, are you sure they're not the shaitan? Okay, no, but seriously. Okay, now wait a minute. If I'm not gonna go around telling shaitan, shaitan. <laughs> I, I would. ISIS, shaitan. Yeah. Okay, I'll okay. go with that. I'll second that. Okay, because if they're saying you should kill gay people and uh, the Prophet Muhammad never said that and the no. Quran doesn't say that, well, then you're inserting a lie. Yeah. Into the uh, into God's words. That's right. Is there anything more satanic than that? Those would be the real satanic verses, wouldn't they? Yeah. Okay. I'll pitch that that line okay. to the board members and see what. They <laughs> <laughs> Shaitan. <laughs> okay. 
um, so look, um, I, I can't do what you're doing because I, I don't. I can't no, fight from your no, end. I know. But uh, I can fight from my end, yeah. right? You fight from that's, your end. That's, that's awesome. And let's hope we meet in the middle. <laughs> yeah, right? but you know, we were talking about the culture war wars. There's yeah. something else that the, the culture wars is is the war. Mm -hmm. And and we just gave a few examples what we just talked about. But um, at the United Nations, for example, like I'm going to Geneva next week and I'm going to be speaking um, and countering Somalia's human rights abuses in the name of Sharia law. So there, there is this mechanism in the United Nations where the member states, the nations, you know, like, okay, you're Somalia, so what's your human rights record? And we're going to analyze and we're going to challenge you and make change, right? Mm -hmm. So we're in a nonprofit. We're challenging with the human rights, uh, Islam, Muslim human rights organization. So we're challenging Somalia based on their human rights abuses in the name of Sharia. So we're, we're picking on all the reservations that are the excuses they have and debunking it with sacred texts. And it does two things. It doesn't give, uh, it, it pulls the rug from underneath Somalia and other Muslim-majority countries, but it also educates the non-Muslim member states that, hey, leaving Islam does not mean beheading. Because mm -hmm. if you ask any diplomat, that's their first answer, is capital mm -hmm. punishment. But that's not what the Quran said. So, so it's really educating the, the non-Muslim member states because at the end of the day, they're the ones that have more power, obviously, than us small NGOs. Right. So. Uh, that, that's such a great point. You should never, ever see the moral high ground uh, to people who, in your opinion, interpret the Quran the wrong way yeah. and say, "Look, I'm here to protect the Muslims of Somalia, yeah. and I, the way I'm going to do it is by using the Quran." That's right. And so, if you do that, I think that's a super powerful message. Yeah. And so I, I love that. Uh, and so I, I again, uh, Godspeed to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Allah speed to you, uh, and. And so let's just take one because you mentioned the people who are um, the non-Muslims who are spreading the wrong idea about Islam. So I got to just take one quick moment before we could talk about Human Rights Day yeah. uh, and the heroes of that uh, about some of the atheists who say, "Wait a minute, you guys are wrong. You really need to." And I think they, a lot of them, the overwhelming majority of them, genuinely, mm -hmm. and they feel passionate about this. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> uh, think, "No, you got to call the problem what it is," mm -hmm. right? And if you don't do that, you can't solve the real problem. Mm -hmm. And you guys are being apologists or mm -hmm. this or that. So you got to say that the real problem is the core of Islam. Mm -hmm. How do you address that argument? We go back to, we do address the problem of Islam. We don't beat around the bush about that. Which mm -hmm. is, yeah, it is a problem in some. But the, we're very truthful about the distortion of it. We are truthful about what is in the Quran, what is not. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I think some ex-Muslims, um, it is so personal uh, because of the abuses that they've taken for leaving Islam mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that they take the that they take a very hard line actually of some of them become anti-Islam to the point of becoming anti-Islam. And I right. don't appreciate that line. So if you want to leave Islam, fine. But for those of us who are fighting the fight from within the faith, trying to make it better, trying to do away with the bad and um, uplift the, the good, you should be assisting us, right? So we're fighting on many different angles, but I, I go back to the same example. And the first example is everything Saudi Arabia is doing is not Islam. Mm -hmm. And um, and much of the Muslim world is completely distorted. Uh, I mean, the, the whole concept of Sharia law as being God's law, that is actually the core rotten um, pond from which we all drink from mm -hmm. because it is not man it's totally 100% man made 
And the fact is most Muslims feel that God's law, Sharia law is actually God's law and you can't touch it. Now, I go back to Malaysia every other year and I look at the Sharia court where it pertains to women's issues and it changes. And I'm, I'm arguing with my sister who's a Al-Azhar University graduate. She's, you know, of Sharia law. Mm -hmm. So she's the scholar of Islam in, in the family. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying, well, if it's God's law, why does it change? And she can't argue with me. It's not God's law. But that simple rationality just stumps her and then she gets personal. Well, what do you know? You're not a scholar of Islam, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That helps. I know. People who fall back on being scholars, yeah. I'm familiar with them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, and, and look, that's why I'm, I'm not religious because yeah, I could use the same argument with Catholics. Yeah. But I thought Pope talked to God and he was infallible. Mm. No, I mean, we don't mean infallible. We just mean like, uh, mm. you know, he can make mistakes on Wednesdays, but not, not on Thursdays. Everybody's got an excuse for everything, mm. right? Yeah. No, no, no. It's not God's law. It's, yeah. Okay. In my opinion, it's made up. But yeah. certainly in your case, what you're saying is, if you're going to be a real Muslim, at least stick to the Quran yeah. and not some dude Made 800 up. years yeah, later right. who decided to interpret that he could have multiple wives yeah, or right. he could beat his wife or whatever he wanted to do 800 years yeah. later uh, that corrupted the Quran, yeah. you would say. Yeah. Right. All right. The so, practice. yeah, look, in terms of the guys who say Islam, 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 look, you could, even Sam Harris says the Old Testament <laughs> is the, the, the most violent of all the texts, right? Um, almost every chapter. Somebody's getting butchered. And mm. Everybody's God's decided that kill them, their cows, their kids, their, <laughs> even the canaries, whatever, kill them all, right? Yeah. And I mean, look, Noah's Ark, we gloss over it. Yeah. God killed everyone. everyone on the planet. Yeah. Everyone. He killed every human being except Everything. Noah's family, right? Yeah. So, uh, but, but I don't then say, okay, the people who believe in the Old Testament are the worst, yeah. right? Yeah. Because yeah. generalizing about Religions is both counterproductive for the reasons you've been saying for this whole entire interview, and also incorrect. Different time periods, different interpretations lead in a dark direction yeah. for the different religions. So it, let's drive it up and more positive, positive interpretation. But see, what the more important, whether I or you believe in it or not, mm -hmm. the people's lives on the ground that we want to affect positively, positively. It's you have to use the language that is going to help help affect their lives on the ground positively. And if it's, if you're going to use the language of religion to do that, then by all means do that. So that's the way I look at it. Mm -hmm. I don't look at it because I'm such a Quran thumping person. I'm actually a very secular person. I don't go to the Quran to say, oh, what should I do today, or how do I decide on this problem I'm having. I'm not that person. Mm -hmm. I use my my God-given brain. But for a lot of faith people, they, they follow blindly. And for a lot of people, it's the traditions that they follow blindly. It's their father's tradition. And so how do you change these mindsets that is positive in a human rights way? And for me, the secular language has not worked because it's gotten worse. Women's rights in the world has gotten worse. Mm -hmm. And so something's got to something's got to change. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. So I'm going to keep on going with the secular language, but you go like I said earlier in your direction and let's hope one of us uh, gets through. Yeah, both of us. <laughs> both of us. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about these heroes. So Human Rights Day today, uh, you've got a lot of Muslims on this list. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, I mean it's uh, Good news, bad news, right? Uh, good news, the Muslims are the heroes. The bad news is they're heroes because they got killed by other Muslims. Yeah. Uh, so uh, here is how about Abhijit Roy in Bangladesh? Yes. Um, now he was brutally hacked to death in Bangladesh. 
uh, and he wanted to promote secular and humanist writings. And he received the death th uh, threats for his writings, and then obviously it was carried out. Yeah. Again, every time I look at these stories, I'm stunned by how courageous they are. Yes, that's right. That's right. And I, I appreciate you saying that wholeheartedly, and I, I feel you. It's, it's heartbreaking. And for us sitting here in the United States, and I have, I'm, I want to challenge the American Muslims. Because mm -hmm. there's such chicken shit, if I may say so. Mm -hmm. None of them have spoken up for any of these Muslims that are in jail, tortured, mm -hmm. for speaking what the life that we live here in the United States, the privileged life that we have. None of them have spoken in favor or raised a voice in support of these human rights defenders. Yeah, so look, I, I speak out uh, against all these guys, the Boko Harams, the ISIS. And but you're not Muslim. <laughs> Hey, I'm not Muslim, so I don't have that I'm quote unquote. Just teasing you, no, man. no, but it's, it's like, true. I don't yeah. have that moral authority, and I've gotten death threats for uh, being an apostate and all that stuff. But it's it's I live in L.A. and I got a studio. I'm yeah. not these guys yeah. who are you know in, in the middle of Bangladesh, in the middle yeah. of Saudi Arabia. It's super easy to do what I do. Absolutely, it's super hard to do what they do. I, I just I can't fathom uh, all they these do, people. They do what we do in their environment, and it's incredible bravery. So I mean, look, I can go on and on, but I do. I want to just say uh, two more people here: uh, Farkunda Malikzada in Afghanistan. Uh, she's 27-year-old theology teacher, devout Muslim. Uh, she publicly opposed a prominent mullah who sold charms and took advantage of the poor. You know, and yeah. Daily Beast has a good article. I'm sorry, Buzzfeed has a good article about this. Lynched by a mob of 50 men. Yeah. In Afghanistan, they've unfortunately had a culture there that's actually unlike in India and Turkey and Malaysia. I feel like it's it was pretty in the in the valleys, tribal. pretty tribal and yeah. fundamentalist yes. for a long, long time. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's such a great example of they then have sex with the young I boys. <laughs> While pretending to be Taliban fighters yeah. against homosexuality, I know. So how, they kill the homosexuals, that? but it's okay for them to have sex with a toy boy, with boys as toys. It's just ridiculous. And then, and then Muslims have an issue with homosexuality. Are you kidding me? What so, what you should be outraged about? Seriously. So I mean, if if that doesn't prove to you that it's about power and not about yes. the text, nothing will. That's right. Because first of all. In the Quran, it doesn't say to hate homosexuals, yeah. so they're wrong in the first place. Second of all, if you believe that's what the text says, well, you certainly shouldn't be sleeping with boys. <laughs> that's right. While you're threatening to kill homosexuals, that's right. so obviously they don't care about the text. The text is pretext yeah. for what they want to do and the power that they want to enforce upon others, whether it's those boys or it's women. Yeah. Like, don't raise your head, women. Otherwise, yeah. we're stronger yeah. and we'll kill you and we'll come up with an excuse. Yeah. And in those valleys, you know, many, many centuries ago, it was another excuse. Yeah. Today is Islam, yeah, right? That's right? So, you know, and if we, you know, beat back fundamentalist Islam, maybe they'll come up with a different excuse. But you know what? Hey, that's a sad day for us. Then we got to beat back that excuse. And the fight is eternal, but important. Yeah. And yeah. last one, Samira Saleh El Nuaimi um, from Iraq. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not doing justice to the names. I, I'm not Arabic, so I don't, I don't know how to pronounce them right. Uh, she was a leading lawyer, Iraqi human rights activist, uh, and she uh, was abducted and tortured and executed by 
ISIS. I call ISIS, you say ISIL, but we should all say Daesh. Daesh, Because that drives them crazy. So, Daesh Shaitan. Okay. Um, so, she defended detainees, she supported disadvantaged families. Yeah. She did all the wonderful things you're supposed to do if you believe in the good side of the Quran. That's right. Right. And so, she's, you would argue she's much more Muslim than they are. I would argue she's at least as Muslim as they are. So it's not fair to her to then say your religion did this when she was fighting to save the needy and the help the poor and the disadvantaged and the detainees because she believed in the Quran and she believed in Allah. And so I you know we've gone over a thousand times that I don't believe in the text but for I don't want to dishonor her memory by saying no we're going to rule on behalf of Daesh and say that ISIS is right and she is wrong, especially after they butchered it. Yeah, it would be offensive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and we, we, if I may, you know, we are celebrating all these um, these human rights defenders um, and the free, the freedom of conscience people um, in January, January 24th here in Los Angeles, and we're going to be celebrating their lives because I think it's really important for people to know that there are Muslims that are actually fighting the good fight. So when people are saying, "Where are the progressive Muslims? Where are the moderate?" I was like, "Come on, you know." Get get your head out of your butt already. Yeah, you know they always say like, why don't the Muslim groups condemn them? Well, that's because you didn't look. They condemn after every attack, yeah. and and they send the press release to Fox News. Fox News takes it, crumbles it up, yeah. throws it away, and goes, why won't they condemn them? Yeah. But you know the Muslims in the Muslim world have been fighting radicalism for decades. You know they've been slaughtered for it. But you know it's the it is a power, and the ones who are powerful are supported by unfortunately our American government as well. So. They have not been in support of these human rights defenders. I'll put it bluntly. Yeah, and look, that's why policy matters. Yeah. So, and and uh, our policy of supporting Muslim fundamentalists back in the 80s and 90s was a terrible policy, terrible idea. Our policy of going into Iraq, stirring up a hornet's nest, yeah. which, and I, Ben and I said it on the Young Turks uh, before the war because we were ancient. Yeah. We were on before the war. Yeah. We were one of the few shows that were. Publicly opposed to the war at the time, and we said, "What are you going to do if you have a civil war? Who wins in a civil war? The most vicious people win in a civil war. And who do you think is going to be the most vicious? The most fundamentalists. So, what on God's green earth are we doing here? Do we think that's going to help America? Right? And so, it's important to get the policy right. People need to go out and vote because Americans are not going out to vote." And that's that's why we got the policy that we have. Yeah. So can people uh, attend on January twenty fourth? Yes, it's open to the public. And and how how would they get tickets or go? Yeah, it'll be on our website mpvusa.org. Okay, great. And we'll put that link yeah, uh, down you. below. And today is Human Rights Day, so you know freedom of conscience. That's what we're promoting. And so tweet it, you know, hashtag and promote promote human rights, everyone. Absolutely. All right, Ani, thank you so much for joining us Thanks, on the Actors. Thanks, Jack. It.